I want to welcome you into the Sunday Preaching Podcast of the Point Church, located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Grab your Bible. You do that. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Appreciate John uh, continuing the study last week. And I want to just say something here at the beginning of the message, <clears throat> how important, this is a, a burden on my heart, how important it is, I believe, for the church to be strong in doctrinal preaching, to preach the doctrines of the Scripture. Uh, nothing wrong with encouragement. We all need encouragement. But I'm afraid today that we've got a lot of fluffy, feel-good stuff going on out here where we're not digging into the Scriptures. Now, why would I say that? Well, there's a new study that just came out uh, from Lifeway and Ligonier Ministries. They I put this out every couple of years. It's entitled The State of Theology. And so if you would go to thestateoftheology.com, uh, you could take the time to scroll through and read some of the latest findings. Now, let me get right to the point. In this study, they, they identify that they survey the evangelical church. Now, that word is a little bit uh, controversial these days and how we use it and who it gets applied to. But in the strictest sense of the word, an evangelical is an evangelist or evangelism, meaning that we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's some very clear distinctives for us. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only one that can atone for sin. Uh, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way uh, to the Father. And so we are kind of uh, put into a Christian Bible-believing uh, kind of evangelical category. And so their, their survey is uh, nationwide, and then it focuses uh, on the evangelical church. Now, not to start the message today in, uh, in being negative or discouraging you, but to, to give you a reason why this doctrinal preaching is a burden on my heart is because I believe the church exists to make disciples. To, you know, I got one amen over here. To, to build people up in their faith. To help people with a doctrinal foundation. And that doctrine clearly comes from the Holy Scriptures. That's why uh, we're uh, so focused here as we're preaching through Galatians uh, to get the message that Paul is giving uh, to a church that is drifting. And so as I read through this state of theology, there are a couple things uh, that stood out to me as it relates to the slip, stay with me, stay with me, the slip, the drift that is going on, not out there in the secular world, but in the church. We are drifting from orthodox, biblical Christianity. Let me show you a couple. Uh, this statement God learns and adapts to different circumstances. God learns and he adapts to different circumstances. 48% of people in the evangelical church 
say they agree with that statement. We are born innocent in the eyes of God. 65% of people in the evangelical church agree with that statement. Now, I've read my Bible a few times, and it says that we are all born in sin, with original sin. We are not born innocent in the eyes of God. A couple others, one that is very, very disheartening, if you will, when it comes to just basic orthodox uh, doctrine about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In 2020, the statement was given, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. In 2020, 30% of evangelicals agreed with that statement. In 2022, the number is 43%. How are people sitting in the pews of churches or chairs in churches, hearing the Bible, the gospel is being preached, Jesus is being presented in an accurate and biblical manner, how have 13% more people decided that Jesus is not God? Now, in this day of confusion, in this day of being uh, all over the map, I want you to just hear my heart for a minute. I believe more than ever that we need Bible doctrinal preaching. That's what's going to build your faith. More than three steps to have a happy life or four steps to have a good marriage or seven ways to have victory. What we need to hear is Jesus Christ crucified. We need to hear the cross. We need to hear faith. We need to hear repentance. So let's do that today. Is that all right? Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. We're in a series of your guests today entitled Stay in the grace of Jesus. Stick with it. Don't drift. Don't try to twist it. Don't try to change it. Stay with the gospel of grace. And today we're looking at this next section where Paul moves out of autobiography, if you will. Uh, John, last Sunday, of course, got in those last few verses about the doctrine of justification and sanctification, but, but Paul shifts into chapter 3 out of this autobiography, and once again, you feel the tension, you feel the pressure, you feel the correction that he is bringing to the Galatian church. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9, and I've entitled the message, So Many Questions. So many questions, and I think you'll see why I gave it that title as I read through it. Here we go. The Apostle Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him 
as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, Genesis chapter 12, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. So many questions. God, thank you for your word. We would be most confused, frustrated, lost, bewildered, if we did not have an anchor for our lives and for our souls. Thank you for the gospel that came to us. Thank you for this letter that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago to this province of Galatia to remind Christians, stick with grace. Stay with the gospel. Don't try to change it. Don't try to twist it. Don't listen to false teachers. Be careful who you allow to influence you. And that same message today is ringing out to the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we believe with all of our hearts that you are God. You're the Son of God, and you came to us as the God-man. We believe that you were the sinless sacrifice on the cross. We believe that the Bible is not a book of myths, but it is a book forever settled in heaven. Help me, Lord, and help all of the Christians in this room to stand on the Scriptures. And now as we walk through these questions that Paul asked the church of Galatia, and we make application to our own lives, I pray that eternal fruit would be born. I pray for the one that's sitting in the room right now that doesn't know for sure that they're on their way to heaven. They've got some questions or they've got some doubts. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would just make it clear Bring them to faith and repentance in Christ. For us as Christians, remind us today of the importance of staying with grace. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Cleanse my hands and purify my heart, I pray. In Jesus' name, God's people said. I want to begin the question or the sermon today with a question. How were you saved? How were you saved? How did you come to know the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior? There's certainly a theological aspect in that. In other words, the Bible shows us, we read it in the text just a minute ago, that it begins with the Spirit, that the Spirit is at work in your life, and there's a process where you came to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess your sin, and confess him as Lord, and, and now you're born again, you're saved by God's grace. So there's this theological process of becoming a Christian, while at the same time, uh, there is the practical aspect of becoming a Christian. Some of you were led to Christ by a faithful grandmother or grandfather. Some of you had 
Moms and dads, you brought you up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. There are others that have a testimony today that uh, they were led to the Lord by a classmate or uh, by a coworker who was sharing the gospel with them. But we all have our testimony of how we came to saving to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so along that process, you have questions, right? Uh, questions are a good thing. And it's a good thing to get the right answers to the questions that we have. Uh, several years ago, I was invited to go to a, a certification process called uh, Coaching 101. And it wasn't about coaching baseball or basketball or football, but rather it was about helping people as we navigate through life and we make different decisions. How many of you are thankful for a trustworthy friend uh, that you can call or sit down with or have a cup of coffee and uh, they help you talk through uh, things that you're going through in your life. Well, the seminar was such that uh, ultimately, if you have a decision to make, you're going to make that decision even though you're getting advice from others. And as you give advice, one of the powerful things you can do to bring awareness is to ask good questions. And, and this Coaching 101 says if you'll ask good questions, that person has the answer in them through prayer, seeking the Lord, or whatever, and you help them arrive at the right conclusion. I think Galatians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 5 in particular, verse 6, is Paul's class of coaching 101. He's trying to correct the course of some of the Christians. They're drifting. They're listening to the Judaizers. There's some faulty doctrine that's coming into the church. And Paul is trying to wake them up and help them see what's going on. I want to just for a minute, the points of my sermon are actually the questions that Paul asks. So look at them with me in your Bible with you. He starts off in verse number one by saying, you bunch of fools. Now I know you, some of you gasp then, but I want you to get that because Paul is using strong language. He's not beating around the bush. Paul here is not running a Christian daycare center. He's being very bold and he's being very direct. How can you be so foolish? Notice the question, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. One scholar said that that picture here is of a billboard, right? You look at a billboard and you get the full display of something. Paul is saying to them, Jesus Christ crucified has been put on full display for you. You saw Jesus through the gospel being presented. You've been challenged to repent and to believe. You have been born again by his grace, but now something has happened. You've become foolish. Who is it that has bewitched you? It's an interesting word there, only used here in the New Testament. The word is literally to have a spell cast upon you. That's the word. And again, we only see it here. Most scholars say that 
that there was not a magician that came into the church and did some kind of a practice or a hocus pocus and, and put a spell over everyone. But, but, but Paul was saying to them that Satan is casting a spell over you, that you are being contaminated in your mind. There is confusion that is being bred in the church. Well, one writer said here these, uh, this phrase, oh, foolish Galatians, that you can just feel Paul saying, would you use your brain? And would you understand that Satan is trying to trick you? Now, here's what we know. We know that the knowledge of the cross, the knowledge of the gospel is there. But yet there's some trickery going on. How many of you know how terrible it is when you realize you've been duped? I was uh, in the first service today, I was uh, talking about when I was a teenager, I got my uh, second job actually, uh, working in a mobile home uh, factory plant there in our hometown of Gwen. I see we got some friends here today from Gwen representing, and uh, man, I was big time. I got a job, $5 an hour. Uh, I had so much money to date Misty and buy her stuff and everything, and, and so I had a job there. One day, I was walking through the plant, and there was a man uh, working there in the tool shop, Larry Gilly, and he said, hey, c come here a minute. He said, I need you to do me a favor. I was just kind of a helper around the plant. He handed me a can of paint, and he said, hey, we are out of striped paint, and he said, I need you to go up to the front office and let them know we're out so they can order some more. Now, some of you are already seeing where this is going, and some of you are trying to figure it out. But that can literally had red and white stripes all the way around it. There's no such thing as striped paint. He knew, he knew that the execs were there that day. They were up in a conference room gathered around this big old table, and they sent me to knock on that door. I knocked on the door. The door opened up. They're all sitting there. And there I stood with my can of striped paint. And as they burst out laughing, uh, they certainly enjoyed the moment, but I realized I had been tricked. I had been duped. And I'm not going to tell you how, but I did get him back. <laughs> Friends, that's a silly story to remind us. It's a terrible thing to be duped by Satan. It's a terrible thing to be deceived. How many of you know that Satan is the father of lies? He's a liar. And he lies about truth. He lies to people even about their own salvation and their own conversion. He whispers in our ears, Oh, if anybody will go to heaven, you will. You're a good person. He'll whisper in someone's ear, Oh, you're saved? You're saved? You're on your way to heaven when maybe you haven't truly been born again by God's grace. It's a terrible thing to be bewitched, to be fooled. Thankfully for these Christians, this was a, a moment not about them losing their salvation, but it was a moment where they are being deceived. And I say to us today, Point Church, there are so many voices there are so many books, there are so many podcasts, there are so many websites out there today. It is very easy to be deceived, to be tricked, and to be duped. May God never speak over us and say, oh foolish pointites, 
May we stay faithful to the gospel of grace. Second question, keep going. He asked in verse number two, let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The work of the Holy Spirit in our life is so, so important. As a matter of fact, you're not a Christian today. You've not been born again unless the Holy Spirit has worked in your life. You see, sometimes Christianity or, or salvation is viewed like this. You know, am I going to buy this house? Am I going to buy this car? Am I going to buy this outfit? And, you know, let me think about it. And give me a couple days. And that's not the way Christianity works. Your Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that you are dead in your trespasses and sin. The last time I checked, a dead man cannot help himself. You're dead. You're spiritually dormant. And then, and then, when you hear the gospel, John, Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit brings illumination into your life and brings regeneration, brings you to life to understand why Jesus died on the cross, to understand that you are a sinner and you're in need of the Savior. The Holy Spirit brings you to life. And then let me say this. Romans chapter 8 says, then the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your life. Now hear me, some faulty doctrine would be that you get saved and then sometime down the road, you may or may not get the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 says, if any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you're a child of God today, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. How did that happen did you attain it? Did you work for it? Did you earn it? No. It came by faith when you heard the gospel. The way you're born again today is not by effort. It's not by trying harder. It's not by doing more good things. You are born again by the Spirit of God by putting your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul just gives them that quick reminder. I know many of you are sitting here today and you're saying, Pastor, I've, I, I know that, I've experienced that, I've lived that, and God sent me here today to tell you to stick with it. Don't drift, don't change. You receive the Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ. Let's keep going. Verse number three, here he goes again. Are you foolish? What are you doing? Paul is saying, you're being stupid. You're being idiotic. Do your word study there, unless you think I'm just being crass. Do your word study there. Paul is saying, you're being dumb. I heard a preacher say one time, some people need to sue their brain for non-support. <laughs> sue your brain for non-support. You're not using your brain. You know what we struggle with today? You know what the church is struggling with today? It's discernment. Discernment. We're hearing so many things. 
We're getting pressure put on us in so many different ways, and, and, and it really will lead you into exhaustion if you're just tossed around to and fro and over here and over there. Paul said about the Ephesian church, he said to them, quit being like kids. Quit being like kids. You're tossed around. You're bouncing around. I'm reminded of that verse that says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's unstable in his doctrine. He's unstable in his family. He's unstable in his job. He's unstable in all his ways. We're living in a day today where the church does not need any more instability. We need stability. Stability in the gospel. We need discernment. There's a reason why uh, Paul said to young Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1, he challenged Timothy, Timothy, in these latter times, you better wake up. You, you better stay alert. You better have discernment. You see, you can't just go along to get along. I'm afraid today that in this uh, politically correct and in this, in this uh, loving environment that we have today in uh, the church that we are pressured into saying that, you know, basically everything's kind of good or most things are kind of good and we need to be accepting and receiving. And I'm telling you today, there are people who are being drug away. They're, being, they're drifting away. They're being drawn away in these last days by faulty doctrine and faulty teaching the tent that i'm under is the gospel tent it's the jesus tent and i don't want to be a fool it's easy paul says you're being so foolish what were they doing they were listening to the judaizers who were trying to bring false doctrine and false teaching into the church let's keep going notice the next question having begun by the spirit are you now being perfected by the flesh? Now, there it is again. What is being begun by the Spirit? What does he mean there? If you're born again, it happened by a supernatural work of the Spirit. But that is not the end of the Spirit's work in our life. I don't need to preach my sermon in Galatians 5, all right? Because if I do that now, when I get there, you'll say, you've already said that. But the work of the Spirit, when we're born again, you begin by the Spirit, the Spirit takes up residence in your life, and then the goal of the Christian life is to live a Spirit-filled life. Let me make a statement. We do not need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of us. If you say, I just want more of the Holy Spirit, bad doctrine, bad doctrine. We do not need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of us. What is the filling of the Spirit? The filling of the Spirit is submission and surrender to the Lordship of Christ and the will of God in our lives. That's the filling of the Spirit. Daily obedience. I'm afraid today too many people are looking for the phenomena. They're looking for emotionalism. They're looking for something supernatural when actually supernatural things are already happening all around us. 
He mentions miracles here in the text. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Do we believe? Absolutely we believe in miracles. But let me tell you something. When Jonathan Edwards stood up and preached sinners in the hands of an angry God to thousands of people who began to fall on their face and repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he was standing in a lectern looking down at his Bible and his notes, and he never made eye contact with anybody in the, in the audience. The power of God fell in such a supernatural way that people began to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? I don't mean to be crass or crude. I'll get to this in Galatians chapter 5. Isn't it amazing that the church of Jesus Christ made it through the Reformation and made it through all the great awakenings without the modern Pentecostal movement? It didn't start till 1901 in Los Angeles in a barn at the revival of Azusa. Come back when I get to Galatians chapter 5, all right? The Holy Spirit was at work in the Reformation. The Holy Spirit was at work in the Great Awakening. And it, it was not a bunch of emotionalism. It wasn't a bunch of weird acting. It was the gospel being preached. It was spirit-filled doctrinal preaching from men of God. It was Christians who cared about their neighbors and got them to the gospel. It's the gospel that sets people free. Man, I'm so thankful in this church today. There are people that have been set free from drug addiction, been set free from alcoholism, been set free from sexual addiction. How did that happen? It happened by a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And that fruit is born today. And we rejoice in the work of the Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is submission and surrender. So what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying you began the Christian life in the Spirit, now live in the Spirit, and don't fall into the trap of performance-based Christianity. Anybody ever been on that hamster wheel before? Performance-based. Now I want you to hear me for just a minute. Did you know that Living in a performance-based, what I would call more of a rules, legalistic environment. Did you know that's a lot easier than living by the Spirit? Now, I want you to think about it for just a minute. If we as a church said, okay, you're a Christian now, and you're a member of this church, I'm going to give you this three-by-five card, and, and you got a checklist here, and if you just check all these, I want you to do this and this, and I want you to dress this way, and I want you to go to church this many times, I want you, and you took that card, and if you could just check all of those things off, then you'd be content, and you'd feel like you had arrived. Does that make sense? But when you live by the Spirit, you know what I've found? Sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to make you do some uncomfortable things. The Holy Spirit's going to make you do some difficult things as you're walking in the Spirit. Now watch, walking in the Spirit is always in line with sound doctrine. That's why Philip Graham Ryken said, a church that does not have sound doctrine does not experience the blessing of the Holy Spirit. 
So if you have a church that doesn't have sound doctrine, it doesn't matter what they say about the results they're getting or what they're producing. If it doesn't have sound doctrine, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. So therefore, God's blessings is not on it. I love Alistair Begg who said, you've heard me say this. He said, that's not the Holy Spirit. You're just weird. You're just weird. If whatever you got going on doesn't line up with the Scripture, it's not the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Sound doctrine lines up with the work of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says to the Galatians, you began by the Spirit. Why are you over here trying to accomplish things in the flesh? I'm telling you, I've done it in 31 years of ministry. So exhausting. You try to make things happen. I heard a man, man told me the story one time. He said, he said, I just had this realization of this. He said, one time I planned this conference. He said, I had it in my mind. He said, I had 150 chairs set up. This was going to be so good. It was going to help everybody. I was so excited. And I got there, and there were seven people there. And he said, it was like the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, you know, if you'd just let me create all the events they'd go a whole lot better. In other words, if you just walk in step with me, if you just walk in step with the Spirit and not feel the pressure to create things, but just be obedient to the Lord. How many of you believe that's the way the local New Testament church functions? The Spirit of God directing the people of God. You begin by the Spirit, you walk in the Spirit. Now let me keep going. i got to hurry. Verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it is in vain? What's the question there? Paul is saying to them, if it's getting a little difficult, if you're getting pressure, why are you wilting like a flower in July? I believe this with all my heart, church. I believe that you and I and the culture we live in right now, that we are on the doorsteps. We're on the doorsteps of some real persecution. Now listen. Our brothers and sisters around the world, they ain't waiting on it. I so deeply admire, as I get older, I so deeply admire the men today that are standing around the world in front of a tree, in a hut, in a little building, or wherever, and they're giving communion, and they're baptizing people, and they're preaching the word knowing that they may not live to make it home because of their faith in Jesus Christ. But you know what? They're willing. They're willing to lay it all on the line for Jesus. And I wonder about us as the Western church. I wonder about us. We've seen things that have happened with COVID over the last couple of years. Just... I mean, 30%, 30%, I read these stats to you, 30% of people have just drifted away from the church. What about when they really are barren? What about when they tell us, you can't say that? You, you, can't, put, you can't put that on YouTube? What are we going to do? Are we going to stand for our Lord? He suffered and bled and died for us. Are we going to melt like a popsicle in August? When the pressure gets real? Oh, we're comfortable now. Oh, we're, 
We're comfortable now. But I'm going to tell you something. Every great movement of God in history has been in conjunction with the heat getting turned up on the church. And Paul is saying to them, what, what are you doing? Well, you, you, you're going through some hardship, and you can read Acts chapter 13 and 14. I mean, Paul is certainly qualified to speak of this because when he was in the province of Galatia in Lystra and Derby, it says that he was stoned almost to death. And we don't know about the persecution that he's speaking of here, whether it's that type of persecution or the pressure from the Judaizers, but he's saying to them, I, I know that I preach the gospel. I know that that's never in vain, but come on now, let's get our stuff together. And I think God is saying to the church today, come on, children, come on, get your stuff together. Quit drifting, quit playing games, quit chasing every wind of doctrine. Stay with the grace of Jesus. May that be true of the Point Church here on Interarity Point Road. May we stay with his grace. Let me finish up in verse number five. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? I love this in that the Spirit comes into the church and they're able to see miraculous things, God doing supernatural things. And he says to them, did that come to you because you're obeying the law, you're being circumcised, or did it come to you by the hearing of faith? Notice where that began in a man called Abraham, and I'll share this with you and I'll be done. It says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Brother Abraham, brother Abraham, the Jewish people, they talk a lot about Abraham. And we should really talk a lot about Abraham. As a matter of fact, I grew up in the children's church, and we used to sing a song. How many of you know the song, Father Abraham, that all good Christians learned in children's church? Father Abraham, say it with me had many sons, many sons, had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. I'm not going to have you stand up and do all that, all right? Many of you, some of you are going, I have no idea what he's talking about. You're better off, trust me, all right? No, that song just basically says Father Abraham, right? I'm one of his sons. I am a descendant of Abraham. Abraham is a pagan down in the south. He's visited by God. God says, Abraham, I want you to get up. Abram, get up. I want you to go to the north. I'm going to send you to a land. I'm not going to tell you where it's at. A lot of interesting things going to happen along the way. Genesis 22, offering his son on the altar. And Abram, I want you to know the end result. What is the end result? Hear me today. It was not the land. The end result was the Lord. The Lord. Tim, where do you see that? Look in, look in the text. It's interesting. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. A common denominator from the beginning of the Bible until the end is faith. The scripture foreseeing that God 
would justify, here it is, here you are, right there in verse number eight, God would justify the Gentiles by faith. He preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Now, many times we're reading our Bible and we don't, we don't really see what's there. But when God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, look up at the stars. Your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. In you, from you, will the nations of the earth be blessed. Church, that is the gospel. The gospel is here we are. It made it to us. Can, can we just pause for just a minute and digest that? Did you know there are 8 billion people in the world today? And most of them have never heard the name Jesus. They wouldn't have a clue if he was from Los Angeles or London if they heard his name today. They've never heard the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They've never been called to repent of their sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But hear me. This ought to put a smile on your face and a pep in your step walking out of here today. When God said to Abraham, through the nations of the earth, they will be blessed, that's you. And that's me. Because the gospel made it to us. What's the common denominator? Here it is. It's faith. It's faith. Abraham had faith. John talked about this last week. And it was counted. It was credited to him as righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. Romans 4, 9 and 10. Romans 4, verse 22. Galatians 3 and verse number 6 says that Abraham was justified by his faith. And I want to add one more thing here. If you look in the book of Genesis, Abraham was counted righteous before he was circumcised. Why was he counted righteous? Because of his faith. Did you know today, Christian, that you, you through Christ, have been counted righteous? That you have a sin debt you could not pay. You have a debt that you owe that you cannot pay. But Christ, through his death on the cross, offers his imputed righteousness to us. So that when the Father looks at us as his children, he does not see our righteousness but he sees the righteousness of Christ. Before my senior year of college, Misty and I, we were at Tennessee Temple. We were living off of love and beanie weenies, <laughs> trying to survive. And then Rebecca, we find out we're going to have Rebecca. Surprise. Rebecca's born just before our senior year. And... In the spring, late spring into the summer, there was a gentleman that came on the campus there, and, and he wanted to interview, interview 25 rising seniors, um, and he was going to pick somebody, and he was going to pay their school bill for their senior year so they wouldn't have to worry about it. So we went through this interview process. Misty was with me, and lo and behold, lo and behold, uh, he, picked, he picked me for my senior year. 
what a blessing that was because I had a tuition bill, I had books, I had all the things that, uh, that I had to pay. And, uh, you know, we were praying for divine intervention as to how we were going to pay those things. And um, so he got up in chapel in front of the student body one day and announced who he had picked. And he said this, he told the whole student body, he said, I'm picking Tim, but it's not because of him, it's because of Misty. So thank God for Misty. But he went up to the business office where I had a debt, I had a bill. And in the stroke of a pen on a check, my school bill went from whatever it was to zero. Can we just rejoice in that 28 years later? Zero. I didn't know a thing. Went through my whole senior year, didn't worry about a dime. That's a really cool story for me to tell. But I'm going to tell you something, it doesn't even compare when I was 13 years old. And I had a sin debt I could not pay. There was no way, there was no way I was going to go to heaven. There was no way I was going to make it to the Father. I was on my way to hell. Until that night, I bowed my head. I repented of my sins. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That night, church, my sin debt went to zero. Not because I was a good dude, not because I was a Christian in a Christian school or Christian family, but that night, the righteousness of Christ was imputed to me. And I'm glad today to tell you that I'm I'm not worried about losing that. I'm not worried about not having that anymore because Jesus has me in the palm of his hand. And after all that he's done for me and in me and through me and to me, all I really want to do is I want to stay with the grace of Jesus. I was talking with a pastor this week, and I'm like, dude, we were just kind of expressing some frustration. I could tell you things. Y'all hear me say this, and I think y'all maybe wonder what I'm really talking about, you know. But I hear things, pastors jumping over in this doctrine and that doctrine and over. And I'm going, what in the world are you doing? It's like we've got this movement with some pastors that want to just get just a little bit smarter than everybody else. Let me, let me tell you one. I heard this week that, that, that a pastor said that now he believes baptism is a sin. Now I know you're going, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I'm going, what are you doing? You're drifting away from orthodox Christianity. And in these last days, I don't want to drift. I don't want to drift. I want to stay with the grace of Jesus.